Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. And welcome to Today's Issues. No, I'm not Tim Wildman. I am sitting in for Tim Wildman today. My name is Ed Vitagliano. You would know that if my producer Brent Creeley had put the right introduction to the show up, but he didn't. I think he's just trying to get on, on my bad side. And I can tell you with all this rain, Fred Jackson, it's not hard to get on my bad side. And I'm Fred sitting in for Ed. Yes, that's right. Oh, we got a whole thing going on. I'm sitting in for Tim. Fred, you're sitting in for me. Chris Woodward is sitting in for Fred Jackson. Good, Good morning. morning, Chris. Good morning. Thank yeah. you very much. Now, that's not a complicated intro. I don't know what it is. <laughs> doesn't get any more complicated. Than Brent's that. the only normal one here, our producer. Well, I wouldn't say normal. But maybe not tomorrow. <laughs> May not be here tomorrow, Fred. I will, I will say this. Steve Jordahl, who will be here for the 11.05 to 11.30 hour, he's sitting in for himself. That's he's, right. He's exactly where he should be. Exactly where he should be. All right. It is Wednesday, July 21st, folks. I know it's hard to believe. Guys, it's hard to believe. I say this periodically. We have moved past the halfway point of the year. Oh, I know. And now it is all downhill until Christmas. Well, I was expecting you to ask the question of our producer, Brent, how many how many days? How, how many, many shopping days? How many shopping until days? Until Christmas? I, that That is something I've got to know. Yeah, I know you do. I, I've got to know how many shopping days because I got to tell you, when it comes to getting a Christmas present for my wife, yes, I take a lot of time thinking yes. about it. Yes. I, I take a lot of time thinking about how much cash I should give her and if so you she can get buy it, what she wants. If you want to get in the Christmas mood, yeah, go to aisle three at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> it's there only aisle three chris no well, i should say three and four christmas trees are up wow all right and the christmas lights are out there and the whole works so if you want to get in the mood probably to go uh, christmas shopping cracker barrel too they're, they're usually pretty <laughs> quick on the draw so yeah you anyway know, folks you know ed since yeah. you threw me on the bus i could go ahead and change that oil whatever you need while i'm there while you're down there yes <laughs> how many shopping how many shopping days? 157 157 shopping days, folks, <laughs> until Christmas. So, uh, actually, my wife and I—I'll just be honest. My wife and I don't—we don't even get ourselves anything anymore. <laughs> just you know, I, if I want a book or something, I just get it, and uh-huh. and she gets whatever she wants. Must be I really exciting on Christmas morning at your place. No, it's all about the grandkids. Uh-huh. That is what it uh-huh. is all about. I don't. Who cares? I don't even care about my kids. <laughs> It's the grandkids. That's who I want to be happy. All right, folks. I know there's probably some folks out there who are wanting to uh, wanting us to get on to the news of the day. So, Chris, that's your job today. What yes, is, thank you very much. Uh, let's begin with this exchange yesterday uh, between Senator Rand Paul and Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. Anthony Fauci once again appeared before members of the Senate uh, to talk about things involving COVID-19, what we know, how we're fighting it, uh, stuff like that. Now, Senator Rand Paul has long been after Dr. Fauci over what he knows and how he was involved with gain-of-function efforts. Gain-of-function, for those that maybe need a little uh, refresher course, uh, basically means efforts to try to increase the infectiousness of existing viruses and bacteria, basically uh, toying with it to figure out how it might mutate and how we can therefore combat it in the future should it become worse than it currently is. Now, Senator Rand Paul has uh, long been of the opinion that Dr. Anthony Fauci was involved in efforts to 
uh, tinker with uh, the coronavirus or COVID-19 bacteria, uh, virus, um, whatever the correct term might be. And uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci says, I I didn't have any knowledge of this. I've never had any knowledge of it. Uh, Things of that nature. And I want to begin with uh, some sound here of Senator Rand Paul bringing this up again yesterday. And uh, notice how Dr. Fauci responds. Clip one. Dr. Richard E. Bright, a molecular biologist from Rutgers, described this research in Wuhan as... The Wuhan lab used NIH funding to construct novel chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses, the definition of -of gain-of-function research done entirely in Wuhan, for which there was supposed to be a federal pause. Do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator, and you are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual. I totally resent that. that. Have and if anybody is lying been. here, Senator, it is you. He keeps talking about gain of function. This has been evaluated multiple times by qualified people to not fall under the gain of function definition. I have not lied before Congress. I have never lied, certainly not before Congress. Case closed. Now, the NIH there is the National Institutes of Health, of which Dr. Fauci is a qualified person, according to Joe Biden, to run. Uh, And, you know, Dr. Dr. Rand Paul, he is a doctor himself in addition to being a senator. He says that Fauci's not being factually accurate here, not being forthcoming with the truth. And the situation escalated, I think, last night when Senator Rand Paul appeared on Hannity and Senator Paul said he's going to ask the uh, Department of Justice for a criminal referral here. Clip two. And I will be sending a letter to the Department of Justice asking for a criminal referral because he has lied to Congress. We have scientists that will line up by the dozens to say that the research he was funding was gain of function. He's doing this because he has a self-interest to cover his tracks and to cover his connection to Wuhan lab. All right, Fred, I'm going to I'm going to mention several names here. Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty, mm. Batman and the Joker, Superman and Lex Luthor, and now Dr. Rand Paul and Dr. Anthony Fauci. A long history of heroes and villains mm. who have fought each other. Now, who you think is the hero and the villain in the Rand Paul Anthony Fauci? combat but these two are starting to tangle on a regular basis like batman and the joker Mm -hmm. i mean these two are becoming mortal enemies and Rand paul seems intent i i'm not a doctor it seems to me that what was going on in the wuhan virus just from what i've uh, in the wuhan lab seems like that probably was gain of function i don't know whether dr fauci is splitting hairs here um, or whether he's accurate uh, on saying, no, this was not gain of function. But first of all, this is a intense rivalry between these two, and we really do. The world deserves an answer to the questions being raised by Dr. Paul. Well, when I heard uh, Dr. Fauci's response to the accusation from Dr. Uh, I should Paul, say Senator Paul, too. Yeah, Senator Paul. Uh, reminded of that uh, Shakespearean line, methinks he doth protest too much. And what immediately came to mind was the Bill Clinton 
response <laughs> in the initial stages of the Monica Lewinsky scandal yeah. where he pointed that finger, Bill Clinton did, at the camera mm-hmm. and said, not, not one time sex. I need to go oh. back to doing what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> back to doing what I was doing. No, Dr. Fauci, he, he, he held up a piece of paper when he was responding. I have the experts here yeah. who say it doesn't. Well, he doesn't tell us who those experts are. You've picked up on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, he's running now on a technicality. That being, this group over here defines gain of function this way. Now we have uh, Senator Rand Paul saying, I'm going to line them up by the dozens who say what you did. He's not, Dr. Fauci now is not denying that money was transferred to this separate entity that then funded uh, experiments in the Wuhan lab. Right. So he's not debating that. He's just saying that money, yes, did go to that entity. This is Dr. Fauci. But I don't think what they did with that money meets my definition of gain of function. Rand Paul is saying, is, I've, he says, Rand Paul is saying, I got scientists lined up. Who will say yes? It does well. And uh, what Senator Paul was saying, I, I, I use Dr. Paul because they both are mm-hmm. doctors. Obviously, uh, Dr. Fauci is probably you know way up the ladder in terms of his expertise uh, on these kinds of issues. That's but, fair. But uh, doc, but Senator Paul is a doctor. I would guess he would have. We certainly have more insight into this than I would. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 he mentioned Senator Paul. When he in, when we first heard that, he mentioned chimeric research, chimera. So, gain of function may be kind of hard for us to because it's new. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of what we've sure what we've heard, and this is all because of the arguments about the origins of COVID. But a chimera is something that uh, that people have uh, uh, created mm-hmm. and combined uh, and I think I think it's a rational explanation that that kind of gain of function research is using human ingenuity, maybe even combining a naturally occurring virus with something else, so they can study the uh, lethality, right. the contagious uh, effect of a virus, and try to respond. Uh, but it seems to me that that is what happened. If if this virus came from that lab it was because they were studying it for gain of function right. purposes and i think one thing that hurts dr fauci's argument here is the fact that he has been all over the place on covid19 what we should do about it how we should do this or that um and the fact that he's flip-flopped more times than a factory making flip-flops uh it it calls into question whether or not we can believe him because he'll say something completely different next week and never get held accountable to it. The only person really in the Senate that's doing anything about anything he's ever said or done is Dr. Paul. And let me say this too, because I had mentioned a minute ago when you said uh, Dr. Fauci has you know expertise in this area, maybe more so than uh, Senator Paul. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. The reason I said that's fair is because for those that aren't aware, Dr. Paul or Senator Paul is an eye doctor. Right. Uh, Dr. Fauci deals with things involving viruses. So yes. that's that's why I said it was well, fair. Well, let me ask you both of you guys, because I don't know the answer to this. Something you said, Fred, has it been 
has it been proven that the NIH or maybe the uh, National Institute for Allergies and Infectious Diseases, which I think is the actual uh, uh, org- uh, group that Fauci heads up, has it been proven that money has gone to this separate entity and then went to the lab? I know that was the accusation by Paul and others, Senator Paul. Uh, has that That's, well? I I was just no- I was proven? just noting what Dr. Fauci did not say yesterday yes. in his defense. He did not say that transfer of money didn't take place. I, I think I think it's been uh, Tucker Carlson did this too. He mm-hmm. he had mm-hmm. the uh, the roadmap of mm-hmm. where the money went to this other organization, uh, and then uh, maybe it was a private organization, and then they sent the money to the Wuhan lab. Now, as far as I know, that. That part has been proven that they have names mm-hmm. and dates and the transfers of money mm-hmm. that uh, that money has gone to the Wuhan lab. The question now is what was done with it? Was it a legitimate use of taxpayer dollars or was it laundering money mm-hmm. so that gain of function research can go on? I'm not sure we'll ever find that out, but Senator Paul seems yeah. to want an investigation and I salute him for that let me ask you this um you know there are many reasons why people are not on the same page when it comes to COVID 19 uh, but dr fauci is one of the big reasons why people are not on the same page because he has said one thing and said something completely different uh the next week only to say the exact same thing he just denounced right. next week is you know um based on all that should joe biden find someone else to deal with this and remove the the problem that we clearly I have. Too, I think they're too deep, Fred. Yeah. I, you, you can speak to it. I think they're. I think they've gone too far with defending Dr. Fauci mm-hmm. to remove him now. Because if they do, then it makes it look like. And I, I know sometimes that's not fair. Perception isn't always reality, uh, but it would give the perception, uh, Fred, that. Uh, that Fauci has not been forthcoming, and now it's time to remove him. So that would call into question a lot of things the Biden administration has been saying in concert with Fauci. Yeah, I don't think uh, President Biden is under any pressure, really, to do this. Number one, uh, Dr. Fauci is a media star. Yes. Uh, He's on CNN every second day and Mm -hmm. softball questions. Right. He is regarded by the mainstream media as the trusted authority. Uh, because he has the blessing of President Biden right now. President Biden knows this. So he has the other thing, you know, Senator Rand Paul said he's going to the DOJ demanding investigation. Good luck on that. Right. We have, I believe, a DOJ now and the Attorney General of the United States who basically uh, is a political force for the Biden administration. This is the Attorney General of the United States who's going after these states who are trying to refine their election laws. Yeah. So uh, good luck to Senator Paul in trying to get the DOJ to do anything uh, credible in the way of an investigation of Dr. Fauci. So to answer your question, I don't think President Biden is under any pressure yeah. to get rid of Anthony Fauci. It ain't going to happen. And the fact of the matter is, Senator Paul is maybe not the only person, but certainly the only one in, in recent months who has made this his goal in life to mm-hmm. get to the bottom of this. I'm not sure there's a lot of people in Congress who want to mess with this anymore. And people like Tucker Carlson are one of the few in 
the media who's asking yeah. this. So to your point, Fred, there's that doesn't amount to much pressure on the Biden administration. No. He's certainly not going to get pressure from the mainstream media who's doing which is doing everything in its power to protect him. Yes. So they're not going to risk yeah. his his credibility, the president, I mean, by asking hard questions. Well, let's do this soundbite and uh, wrap up this segment because I, I want to be sure to include this uh, opinion here. This is former Admiral Brett Garrar, who worked for the Trump Coronavirus uh, Task Force. Everybody probably saw him on television. Uh, but the Admiral was on Fox and Friends today talking about the situation between Senator Paul and Dr. Fauci. Clip three. And I do believe probably Dr. Fauci was hiding behind the technical definitions of what the NIH might consider, quote, gain of function research. But what they did uh, fund was exactly what Rand Paul said. They funded researchers to go in the hundreds of miles away into the back of bat caves, extract dangerous viruses from bats that have never been seen by humans before, and bring them to a city of 10 million people in the Wuhan lab. Now that may not technically be, quote, gain of function research, but it is dangerous research, and Senator Paul's questions deserve to be answered. I have never, ever seen, and I hope it never happens again, that a witness who's a public health official calls a U.S. senator a liar and doesn't know what he was talking about when clearly Senator Paul read the paper and had important points to be made. Now, uh, I think I want to be fair to Dr. Fauci and not just because he's Italian. OK, <laughs> if, if he was Russian, I'd want to be fair to him. I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for researchers to go to a place like a, like I was talking about Batman, to a bat cave, okay, <laughs> and to uh, extract viruses that could spread to the human population and try to develop uh, a, a solution to that. I'm, I'm not sure what the right protocol is for that because who was this that was just speaking? That was uh, former Admiral Brett Garrar, if I said his name correctly. He was on uh, President Trump's yes. uh, mm -hmm. COVID task mm -hmm. force. Oftentimes right? wearing his uniform. Yeah. So, uh, but that does strike me, like he was saying, that does strike me as very dangerous, Fred. And from what I've read about the possibility of a virus escaping from a research lab, my understanding is it happens a lot. Well, These things get out. Uh, the, the other factor in this story is that we're talking about the Chinese. Yes. The Wuhan lab, as all research labs in China, is it's this is the case. It is run by the military. Right. So be immediately suspicious of their motivations. Uh, whether, we don't know, whether accidentally uh, an enhanced virus gets loose. Right. Or can it you imagine noting how the Chinese act, how they persecute those who are opposed to them, open persecution. They just threatened to nuke Japan yes. if Japan interfered with their uh, rescuing Taiwan. They're not nice people. No. They're not nice people. I don't think it is a great exaggeration to think for a moment that the military would at least consider, hmm, is there a way we could use these viruses to weaken our enemy? Right. I, I don't think it's a big stretch anymore to at least say the military people may have considered this. If you're trying to become the most powerful nation in the world, 
which the Chinese are trying to do, right. what you do is have to you have to weaken other nations that hold that title right now. And stand in your way. That's right. And and if you are claiming the South China Sea, if you want to quote unquote reunite, liberate Taiwan, yeah. like you have with Hong Kong. Yes. Uh, and you know that the United States has a treaty to protect Taiwan. It has a treaty to protect South Korea and Japan. Yeah. You know, we have promised to intervene in the Western Pacific if China were to attack any of those three nations. I don't know whether we would or not, but that is their perspective. Absolutely. I have no doubt that China would want to weaken us any way they could mm -hmm. if they could get away with it. So anyway, I, I appreciate the fact that Senator Paul is continuing to push on this. Mm -hmm. And he obviously hit a nerve uh, once again with uh, Anthony Fauci. All right. Well, in other news, this segment, uh, <laughs> let's uh, transition to something. I think this maybe will be a nice way to kind of get us into the upcoming break and continue a discussion perhaps in the next uh, 30 minutes or so. Uh, over the weekend, Congressman Sean Patrick Maloney, a Democrat from New York State, uh, got schooled uh, by a constituent at a town hall meeting in Dutchess County uh, over the teaching of critical race theory in K-12 through schools. Clip four. What's your stand on critical race theory right. being taught to our kids? I want to know why you think it might be a good idea to teach kids that black and white you're uh, you're suppressed, and you're the suppressor. I think somebody's trying to get y'all mad about this for no reason. Listen, I'm an intelligent individual. I read and I watch a lot of different TV shows. Then you know, then you know that yes. no one's teaching critical race theory. That's nonsense, though, Congressman. That's absolute nonsense. Don't stand there and insult my intelligence and tell me that it's not happening because it is happening. I think I'm glad you think it's funny. Uh, that that that's good. That was good. that was uh, the only reason I'm cutting it short is that was very difficult for me to understand okay. what was what was going. That's on. That's my fault because I edited that clip, folks. Well, and so I just want to make sure our listeners could hear what was going on. Why don't you kind of describe what was going on? This is a Democrat, yes, uh, state legislator, uh, U.S. congressman, U.S. congressman. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, and and so he was confronted at a town hall yes. meeting about and critical race correct. theory. Yeah, the video from the event in Hopewell Junction, uh, seen by the New York Post, uh, the unidentified man asked Maloney, what do you think about this? I don't like it. A lot of people are upset about it. And Maloney went on to deny that critical race theory is being taught in schools and what people believe is happening in schools is being shared to them by uh, news outlets. Um, I did not hear the words Fox News and elsewhere. However, in the New York Post coverage of it, uh, he is quoted as saying a bunch of smart demagogues at Fox News and elsewhere. So basically, he did not answer the man's question and put it off on someone else as misleading that individual uh, in terms of what he thinks he knows about CRT being taught in school. All right. Now, Fred, before I come, come to you before the break, because we're coming up to it, but right after the break, folks, Miki Addison is going to be uh, with us co-host of airing the Addisons and she's going to be talking about critical race theory but yeah. it seems to me that what Congressman Maloney was doing was the same thing Senator Paul said Anthony Fauci was doing which is splitting hairs mm -hmm. on your definition of words because the Democrat argument now is critical race theory is not being taught in public schools I think what they mean is well, it may not be called critical race theory. Therefore, the ideas aren't being taught. Listen, when I heard Congressman Maloney's comment, that is a Democratic Party talking point. Yes. They're all doing it. They're all saying it. 
In fact, the teachers' unions are saying the same things. Oh, it's nonsense. We're not teaching critical race theory out there. That's a pile of garbage. Uh, You know, um, others are saying the same thing. The left-wingers, with regards to the indoctrination of our kids. Uh, Listen, the parents in uh, Virginia and other jurisdictions across the country, they know what their kids are being taught. They're hearing critical race theory. Hey, listen, you don't have to convince us, Mr. Congressman. You have to convince those moms and dads, Mm -hmm. and they know better. Well, a rose by any other name is still a rose. Yes. And as you pointed out, so is a pile of garbage. All right, folks. We'll be back with Miki Addison after the break. Next time on Today's Issues, our guest will be Jan Markell of Understanding the Times Radio. Could AI, artificial intelligence, be a part of the end time strong delusion? There's a new organization that is prominent now that can manage it all. That would be the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. We'll also have news headlines and analysis from American Family News. Don't miss the next Today's Issues, weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family Radio. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox. My hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. As you plan your summer college visits, add Liberty University to the list. With many visiting options to choose from, you're sure to find the right one to fit your schedule. Spend a few hours exploring campus with our student-led team at Tour LU, dig deeper and learn more about life at Liberty during Experience LU, or take your next steps towards becoming a student at Decide LU. Learn more and register today by texting VISIT to 49596. Again, that's VISIT to 49596. See you this summer. Netflix, the online streaming service, is in big trouble. They lost nearly a half million subscribers during the second quarter. Netflix blamed its troubles on the spring and summer months, but that's not it. It seems most Americans don't appreciate the far-left turn Netflix has taken over the past few years. They've gone woke. Netflix recently announced a partnership with Barack and Michelle Obama, churning out propaganda disguised as entertainment. Netflix also over-sexualized its content, basically becoming a soft porn channel. They drew the wrath of parents after broadcasting Cuties, a program that sexualized little girls. Families are just not going to spend money on that sort of garbage. They long for the days of Everybody Loves Raymond and The Andy Griffith Show. And trust me, there's no place for Mayberry on Netflix. My new book is now the number one Christian inspirational book in the country. You can order a copy right now at ToddSterns.com. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of Today's Issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of Today's Issues. And welcome back, folks. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson and Chris Woodward. And now we want to introduce one of the most popular people on American Family Radio. I mean, present company excluded, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, is Miki Addison, who's Assistant Director of Special Initiatives and co-host of airing the Addison's Heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Miki, as always, wonderful to have you with us. Oh, it's great to be with you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. All right, Miki, we want to continue talking. We started before the break Mm -hmm. on the subject of critical race theory. We were dealing with the fact that uh, uh, Democrats and others on the left are denying that, that this is anything uh, that is actually going on in public schools. And Chris, you had a, a story that you wanted to uh, maybe p- uh, put before Miki to get yes. this conversation yes. started. Yes, we would love to get your uh, thoughts on this. And uh, Steve Jordo actually uh, discussed this yesterday on the show for folks that want to go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, but... Uh, for those not aware of this situation, we have an author here named Jennifer Harvey. Uh, she is the author of something called Raising White Kids, and she is a believer in critical race theory. And uh, Harvey is of the opinions that uh, kids, white kids specifically, need to be brought through white guilt. Clip six. There's a number of studies that suggest we shouldn't be worrying too much about making white kids feel bad because they get so much false messages about their goodness that it's actually kind of critically important for them. Now, we don't want to induce shame, right? Which is why they need those models. They need to hear, say, yeah, white people can do racial justice too, right? Here's some examples. A bit, uh, like, white guilt is a really big problem. And my goal as a parent is to get my kids into white guilt and beyond it as young as possible. Because adults, white adults are running around with white guilt and we're stuck. White guilt has to happen. It's a developmental need. If you believe in equity and you live in this kind of system and you're white, you're going to hit white guilt. So in my mind, I'm like, I need my four-year-old to experience white guilt so I can support her out of it and beyond it. And I don't want her doing it when she's 20. I want her to be well past that point. All right, Miki, I, I got to tell oh you, goodness. I had not heard that clip. I knew from our discussion in our story meeting this morning uh, for today's issues mm-hmm. that we would be bringing this up with you. But I had not heard that clip. That that was just kind of confusing. I mean, it's it's scary that this is this is a parent who is, if I understand this, Chris is saying that white parents ought to make their kids feel guilty for being white, so that then they can get them through that guilt. To I don't know, I don't know what the end game is. So, Miki, you've done as much research on this subject of critical race theory as anyone. Uh, First, tell uh, our listeners, as brief as you can, what critical race theory teaches. Then uh, let's get your response to what this lady is saying. Okay, I I will do just that. Let me just say right off the bat, that is child abuse. What she just described is child abuse. Okay, it is it is psychological trauma. And not not only should that be rejected because of its roots in critical race theory, but it should be rejected because we love children. 
Um, that is child abuse. Okay, so having said that, and we can go back to that later, it just grieves me. This is my first time hearing that clip, so I'm just giving you my real-time comments there. It's child yeah. abuse. Um, okay, critical race theory uh, was developed in 1989 as a legal framework, and so what we are talking about is we are talking about critical legal scholars who came out of critical um, critical legal studies all right so we're talking about an academic philosophy it has no place in common discussion but it has infiltrated mainstream and unfortunately it's infiltrated the church which is why i got into this about four years ago because i saw what it was doing to the body of christ and i thought wait a minute um we actually have a defense for this and so critical race theory was a legal framework that was developed um as a lens through which america's legal system could be described as inescapably racist. Okay. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about critical race theory. Um, critical race theory has moved from academia. It's moved from this heady kind of academic discussion about who is oppressed and who isn't oppressed and who has opportunity, who doesn't have opportunity. It's moved into the mainstream where now we kind of toggle back to cultural Marxism, where we are looking for people groups. We divide people based on the groups that they exist in. And then those people receive points of oppression or points for their oppression and those who are the most oppressed have the most points and are then the most valued in culture. So if you start looking at how these points are divvied out and I say points, you can say numbers, you can whatever you want. But if you start looking at how these points are divvied out, you take the people who are classically the most oppressed or how we would um, look at calling a person disadvantaged. And we say that person has the best vantage point by which they can describe and they can navigate culture because of that oppression. So it's the oppression that uh, makes that person valuable. And if a person is not oppressed, if a person does not come from a background where they would have been, you know, seen as disadvantaged, then they have privilege. And that privilege uh, tells them that they have to be quiet and, and, and exist in a state of learning. Um, a state of receiving from the oppressed people groups. It, it really does not make sense in everyday common communication, but it has come out into mainstream and has been adopted by people who don't know the origin of critical race theory. They know only what people are teaching them today. And so a lot of people have adopted this, even in church, they've adopted this because they don't understand that it is biblically incompatible with the gospel. Amen. I, I've just started to read Mark Levin's book on American Marxism. And uh, early on in the book, he goes back to two professors in 1966 who really began to indoctrinate their kids who uh, are often referred to, and I'm not trying to be insulting here, but kids in university, when they got this authority figure up in front of them, many of them, they become useful idiots. And the right. professors know this. The professors know that I can teach them this, and they're going to have to write this in an exam question. So I'm going to teach them this. I'm going to teach them that our society is really two different groups, oppressed and oppressors. Mm -hmm. And this, so this started 1966. So we're talking, how many years is that? 40, roughly 40 years? Uh, yeah, actually, thir close 30, to 34 and 21. So you're talking 54. Yeah, so... That many years, this has been cooking, this has been percolating uh, all the way along. All it took, uh, Miki, was 
to bring in people in power, whether it's state governments, uh, teachers, unions, uh, federal governments, who give this credibility. And then all of a sudden it breaks into the open where we now have uh, part of Joe Biden's infrastructure uh, and, uh, you know, pandemic recovery funding. There is money being set aside to school districts to promote this kind of thing. And what it is, it's to indoctrinate kids. And, and you're exactly right, Mickey. It is so sad when you have now pastors standing in front of their congregations endorsing this kind of thinking. And, and these parents, bless their hearts, they are not listening to the right sources for their news. Uh, because sadly, it's people like American Family Radio, Fox News, we're about the only ones that are putting it out there. Newsmax. And Newsmax mm-hmm. and a few others like that uh, that are putting it out there for people to hear the other side of the story. The good side of this is what we're starting to see, moms and dads, and, and I know we've talked about this before, uh, the hidden blessing of the pandemic over the last year, when moms and dads were able to look over the shoulders of their kids who were being kept at home, mm-hmm. and they started to hear what was being taught in their schools. And so, praise God, God works in mysterious ways. So we now have parents rebelling against this. And I I guess, Mickey, the good thing is people like you, moms and dads, they're finding out about the truth of this, and the backlash has started. Yeah, what we are observing is what is necessary for a society to crumble Um, And it is to steal away the hearts and the minds of the very young. Um, I don't think that parents understand this. And and I I really think that a lot of parents, though they are, (laughs) excuse the expression, they're woke. (laughs) They're they're awakened, if you will, to what is going on, how their kids are being indoctrinated while they sit right around their table. Mm -hmm. I still think that it has not reached the level where there's the type of action that we need. What I feel like people are trying to do is clean up a swamp. Mm. Um. If you clean it up, then I guess you call it a pool. It's no longer a swamp, right? So like you you cannot clean up a swamp. By definition, a swamp has certain characteristics. And if you look at our American school system, it really is, it has declined so much and it is not the type of education that we once received. It's not the type of education that our grandparents received. And so really the get, the goal and the aim is indoctrination of children. Um, one of the uh, well-known Cultural Marxist Antonio Gramsci uh, talked about how children um, before puberty, that children, um, their personality has not yet formed. And so it's easier to guide the life of a child um, to get that child to uh, acquire specific habits of order and discipline and work. And so you you could shape this child uh, and make this child become the adult that you want. That's precisely what's happening in our American school context. We... Look, there used to be, if if ever there was, there used to be a place of neutrality where um, teachers would show up and they would teach kids the basics, right? And then if, if some people would be willing to go so far as to say there was also a place of maybe maybe on the positive side that you had a lot of Christian teachers who were able to, for the glory of God, influence those students. Well, we have a school system now that's kind of hip to that game. So number one, there's no neutrality. I want to say this very clearly, and people need to understand our public school system, our public education system does not exist in a state of neutrality. I hear all the time from teachers and principals. They come to me 
kind of like Nicodemus, okay, because they don't want to lose their jobs. And what they do is they present to me the screenshots. They present to me the information and they say, this is what I'm being forced to teach my teachers. And the teachers say, this is what we are forced to teach our students. So there is no neutrality. And even the teachers who are Christian in the public school system are struggling because at risk of their job, at risk of their job, they would object to what they are being forced to teach students. I think what we have to understand is that in any school USA, and a lot of people maybe in our listening audience live in a small town and they say, well, our teachers are all Christian around here and we live in a small town. But the question has to be, so where does your school get its curriculum? Where is your, where is your school getting its textbooks? And nine times out of 10, it's not being printed down at, at Jim Bob's print shop. You know, nine right. times out of 10, it's coming from like a liberal bastion. It's coming right. from a place that where the ideas are antithetical to the faith. And I think parents have to realize that. Um, OK, Miki, uh, we want to uh, I want to let you go here because you have things you're doing. But I do have one additional question to ask you as we kind of uh, come to the conclusion of this interview. I do want to let our listeners know, by the way, that Miki has done again, we're talking with Miki Addison, who's uh, co-host of Airing the Addisons, heard weekdays on American Family Radio at 2 p.m. Central Time. She's also assistant director of special initiatives with her husband, Will Addison, who is also co-host of Airing the Addisons. But Miki has done a Cultural Institute, a two-part DVD series. Uh, I don't know if two parts is a series, but anyway, it's two DVDs. (laughs) And the title is A Biblical Response to Critical Race Theory. Okay, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It deals with the question I'm going to ask Miki about the Christian response to this. If you want to get a copy of this, you can go to afastore.net, afastore.net. Simply search for critical race theory and you'll be able to click through and get a copy. All right. So, last question Miki and and you don't I know you don't have to go into great detail, but uh what is what is the the, the biblical response to an ideology or a theory that says you are guilty of X, Y, and Z because of your race, because you're white. Yeah, Why is yeah. that biblically wrong? Yeah, you have to reject it. It's a new gospel. Uh, critical race theory is a religion. And it presents a new gospel. And just as uh, the Apostle Paul told the Galatians, there is no new gospel. um, It's imperative that we in our generation say the same thing. Uh, You have to understand that the gospel says, according to Colossians chapter three, verse 11, that here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian. And and we know the scripture, the scriptures go on in critical race theory. Um, they assert that here there is black, there is Hispanic, there's native, there's Asian, there's white, there's female, <laughs> there's male. And then they go on, there's non-binary there. And all of these things where people are identified this way. And you cannot, you cannot extract this from the theory. And that's what a lot of people are trying to do in the church. They're saying, well, listen, we will reject that, but we'll take this. Look, some of the major proponents of this philosophy, of this theory say, and let me quote here, a woman by the name of Patricia Hill Collins, um, professor at the University of Maryland, who's also a critical race theorist, feminist studying intersectionality. It's a lot. But here's what she said. She was asked the question as to whether or not you could have people take pieces of critical race theory and intersectionality. So let's let's think in terms of the Christians who say we just want to borrow what we like. And those things that are glaringly antithetical to the faith will reject them. Can we do that? This is what she said. And I'm quoting her here. Quote, no, 
You cannot bring these two worlds together. You must be oppositional. You must fight. For me, it's a line in the sand. In other words, what she was saying is that, no, you can't bring in people who would parse away those things that are important to us. In fact, what she is saying is that you take the entire theory. The entire theory is antithetical to the faith. Again, in addition to this, we talk about there being special knowledge. This is what critical race theory does. It says that certain people who exist in certain oppressed people groups have special knowledge. Well, is that what the word of God says? No, it doesn't. Psalm 119, 130 says the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. So it doesn't matter what your background is or where you came from or how you grew up. You don't have a special knowledge that other people don't have. No, because the word of God is the great unifier, gives wisdom to the simple. So that means all of us can show up smart, right? But critical race theory rejects this. And I could go on and on. Here's my bottom line. When we come into the household of faith, What we are saying is that we are broken people and we realize it. That's what it means to say that you're a Christian. You realize that you existed as the right object of God's wrath and you have repented of that. You have confessed your sin and the Lord Jesus Christ and the sufficiency of his sacrifice removes that sin from you. Critical race theory says you are always sinful. Simply by nature of the color of your skin, you are always sinful. That's why you constantly have these people confessing, I'm a racist, I am this, I am that, because they understand the power of that confession. And we as Christians, don't we understand the power of confession, that we agree with God that sin is sin, and we repent of it, and we are forgiven. Critical race theory allows no room for that. On the basis of that alone, it has to be rejected. And then there are other reasons why it has to be rejected. In this cultural institute that I did, the reason that it's in two parts is because there was so much information that we couldn't fit it in one presentation. And why the need for this information? I unpacked the roots of critical race theory, that it comes out of classical Marxism. And then I talk about what it looks like as it's infiltrated the church and how the church is to reject it. There are certain buzzwords and phrases that you will hear all the time coming from today's pulpits. It's egregious, but the church has got to stand up here. Here is what the gospel banks on. The gospel banks on the boldness of those who carry it to reject sin and to reject error. And we are not doing that today in the church. And that grieves me in ways that you cannot even imagine. Our guest has been Miki Addison, Assistant Director of Special Initiatives and co-host of airing the Addison's, excuse me, heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Miki, thank you so much for all that you and Will are doing and helping bring biblical clarity to this issue and others and we appreciate you being on the show with us. Yeah. God bless you. All right, folks, you can, again, pick up that Cultural Institute, that two-DVD uh, set that uh, Miki does, A Biblical Response to Critical Race Theory. Go to afastore.net, afastore.net. If you search in the search bar for Critical Race Theory, Miki's DVDs uh, set comes up, and the church is in really desperate need for a biblical understanding of that. Fred, you're Southern Baptist. You've been going through through this. Your denomination's going through this over this very subject oh, the it, last couple it, of years. It, it was one of the flaming points at the recent Southern Baptist Convention, uh, and it's going to continue. And I'm thankful for the, the work that Miki and, and Will have been doing on this front. Uh, it needs to get out there. 
just to underline the kind of threat that we are talking about, folks, for your kids. The uh, Recently, uh, the head of the American Federation of Teachers, Rhonda White Weingarten, they had their convention, although I think most of it was virtual. You know that several states have passed uh, points of principle right now saying critical race theory will not be taught in our schools. Well, uh, Rhonda Weingarten announced at that convention that they are going to hire lawyers to take on these states so that they teachers can teach critical race theory. Well, why would now, they? That's how serious they are about it. Why would they have to hire attorneys to defend teachers' rights to teach something they're not teaching? That's right. Yes. That's the contradiction. Yes. Yeah. Right there. So beware of that, folks. I'm just hoping other parent groups, and I, that's why I say I'm encouraged when I see Loudoun County, Fairfax County, other places in the country now where parents are saying enough is enough. There are recall efforts going on, I believe, in Loudoun yep. County. Yeah. Uh, recall efforts against school board people. Some of these school board members, so arrogant. They're just walking out of meetings. Yeah. When parents are trying to make a point uh, on this, they just get up out of their chairs and walk out. Yeah, they should be recalled mm. and never allowed to work again. <laughs> no. uh, obviously, I'm exaggerating that. But there's even some recall efforts on this subject. In California. Yes. Now, it's a, it's a small percentage of the total number of school districts, but still people are getting fed up. All right, All Chris, right. you got anything else on this subject yes. or otherwise? Well, let's do, let's do this because this is proof positive that people do use Hollywood to push things on the culture. Uh, in recent days, Marie Claire, well-known publication, had an article out, and this is the headline, We Need to See More Parents Having Abortions in Film and Television. It begins by saying parents are the most common abortion patients, yet storylines about the medical choice almost always revolve around single teens. And it's not until, I'm paraphrasing at this point, it's not until people start seeing abortion become normalized on TV shows and in film that we'll see uh, people really embracing abortion for what they seem to think it is. And, of course, pro-aborts uh, tend to think it's a great thing. And uh, somebody that does not support this idea of putting a uh, more abortions on film and television is Lila Rose of Live Action. She was on Fox and Friends this morning talking about the article, Clip 7. Well, first of all, every single woman who has an abortion is already a parent. So what this article is actually arguing for is to say that if you already have other children, those children don't deserve their next brother or sister. And it's better off for the family to kill your next family member. And it's just an incredibly cynical and really a barbaric recommendation, already acknowledging that Hollywood is biased. They already have a very clear agenda, and it talks about how many films and TV shows already promote abortion. But it's just extra cynical and barbaric to now say your other children don't deserve their next brother or sister. Now, guys, I'm coming up on 11 years here uh, working in the newsroom. One of the worst, if not the worst, example of this in my time here was that Scandal episode from back in 2015, Scandal was a show on ABC, owned by Disney. And they had an episode, it was a Christmas episode, in which the main character had an abortion while Silent Night, the music from Silent Night, played during the scene. One of the sickest things oh. I've ever seen on in culture. Uh, that's, you know, Chris, I didn't need to hear that. Well, that's, I, no, I'm, I sometimes, no, I'm not blaming, you know, it's my no, job to bring up the you. unfortunate. Listen, I, that 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 just that just grieved me hearing that. I didn't know about that, Fred. Look, I, the people who listen to this show 
if you've been a Christian any length of time, we all know there's some serious and deep wickedness in the human heart and therefore in our society. It doesn't surprise me that people uh, are wanting to promote something so demonic and would marry that Mm -hmm. to Silent Night. But I will say this. um, When I became a Christian, I was pro-abortion when when I was in high school and college, just because I was on the debate team, and that was my view, okay? The moment I got saved, Mm -hmm. my viewpoint changed. I immediately recognized that that was wrong. I changed my mind. The hope for this country, the reason we're having the problems we're having is because of sin, and the the hope of this nation is the gospel. Amen. Uh, It's got to be changed hearts. Uh, That's where we are. And some would argue right now that uh, this nation is under God's judgment uh, because over 60 million babies have lost their lives in the womb uh, since Roe v. Wade. And uh, I believe there is a younger generation that's coming along that sees it. They see it more clearly than, sadly, my my generation has seen it. Uh, But so I, I have hope in that. But you're exactly right. It is the gospel that changes people's hearts. And, uh, and, and like you, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in your hearts and is going to convict you of sin. Right. Uh, things that you didn't think were sin beforehand, they're going to start to convict you. So people need Jesus. Uh, the gospel needs to get out there. It needs to change hearts. And when that happens, then we'll have a spiritual revival and then we'll see a political revival in this country. Right. And what Miki Addison said, who was our guest here during this segment, is that the church needs to be bold. Yes. And we're talking about from the pulpit and mm. those who sit in the pews on Sunday morning when they go out to their jobs, their neighborhoods, their schools. You need to be bold about preaching the gospel and standing for what is right and what is true. All right, folks, we're going to take a five-minute break for news. You are listening to... Today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. When we come back after that five-minute break, more news with Steve Jordahl. We'll see what else is happening here and abroad and perhaps what the Bible says about it. Please join us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.